really is a privilege to, uh, to be here tonight. Thanks for the warm welcome. But it also comes with fear and trembling. And the word of the God is a, is a precious, precious thing. And to be a preacher, you know, it's, it, you, you come and you, your hands are, are trembling because you know you're dealing with things that are beyond you. Things you know that really in your own self you're not capable of delivering. Precious, precious truths which bring life to men and women. And so I do pray, as Russell's already asked, that, that tonight that, that the Holy Spirit will take control. And that he'll uh, enlighten us all as we look at this piece of scripture from Matthew chapter 8. I'd like to read it again if we can. Romans chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Then Jesus' disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful? O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Have you ever noticed how easy life is? Piece of cake. Everything in the garden is rosy. We just live life and everything goes perfect all the time. No? Is it just me? <laughs> we'd be lying to ourselves, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd even call ourselves deluded to believe such a thing. Life is full of its ups and downs, trials and tribulations, triumphs, highs, lows. We go through those mountaintop experiences. And other times we really sink down to the pits of the valley and we don't really know what's happening. Life storms, we've all experienced them. Whether we've got thousands in the bank and can afford whatever things throw at us, there'll be something else that comes along, a storm in our lives that, that challenges, that gives us a time of rockiness, uncertainty, where we start to feel that the ground underneath us starts to shake and we're not sure whether we're going to be able to stand on the two legs that have been given or not. And we've all experienced these things. Yeah. The world would say, it's how we handle it that matters. How we handle it that matters. And I believe that's true. It is how we handle it that matters. But as a Christian, we should be able to look at these things from a different angle. Yes, it is how we handle them. But not how I handle them. It's how we handle them through Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. This passage is going to bring great, great encouragement to each and every one of us. If we're hearing the words that's being read and spoken by Christ, we can only leave here knowing that we're in a safe and secure place. But it also will bring challenge. I've entitled this tonight, You of Little Faith. You of Little Faith. So we are going to be asking ourselves some questions where really do we sit 
when it comes to faith in Christ. When it comes to those times in life where we start to shake, do we crumble and fall? Or do we stand on the rock that never moves? In order for us to get to that place, I want us to look at several words or several phrases that we see within this passage that I think are, are very important and that will teach us quite a bit about what it is in being a Christian through these hard and, and difficult storms that come and challenges in our lives. First of all, in Matthew 8, verse 23, it says that they followed him. They followed him. We find this account in, in two of the Gospels, Mark 4, 35 to 41, and Luke 8, 22 to 25. And when you've got more time, I encourage you to, to look at those against what we've read from Matthew, because you will see that there are a couple of differences within the passage. And this is, this is one of them. Matthew gives us a clear indication here that the disciples followed him into the boat. When we look at the other two Gospels, Mark tells us that the disciples went at his request. And Luke tells us that um, he got into the boat with his disciples. And for me, Matthew makes a very, very important point when he, when he focuses on the fact that they followed him into the boat. They followed him into the boat. Another difference to note is that Mark tells us that there were other little boats on the lake or on the sea. None of the other Gospels tell us that. But that's a very important point as well, which we're going to pick up on later. So let's have some observations about this following. Those who followed Christ into the boat experienced the storm. They experienced the storm. And I just want us to hang here for a minute because there's a, there's a certain sect of Christianity out there that says if you are a Christian, you should have full control over everything that happens in your life. Any, any storm that comes, all you have to do is speak out against it and it will vanish. In fact, you shouldn't really be challenged by anything in life because you have the power because Christ gives you the power. It's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says at all. They followed him and they experienced the storm. So if you've lived your life up to this point and you've not experienced any storm so far, then I say praise God. But I will guarantee you that they come. Yeah. Whether it's persecution, whether it's financial difficulties, whether it's sickness, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's hardships, whether it's redundancy. We all go through times in our lives where it's a storm. We're all human. We're not Superman. We've not got a superpower that Christ has given us to, you know, kryptonite in our pocket. No. We live this life and if we follow him, we will experience the storms. Matthew 5.45 says, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good. It doesn't stop there. It's not just the sun. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Mm -hmm. It's a very wet and 
filthy day out there. It brings the, brings the truth to that uh, saying, doesn't it? It's grim up north. <laughs> but it's grim in Nottingham as well. But yeah, we, we, we experience the sun. We experience the heat on our back. But we also experience the rain. And that not only falls on the just, but on the unjust. So it's for everybody. The second thing that we observe in this following is that those who followed him experienced the calm. So not only did they experience the storm, they experienced the calm. Next thing, those who followed him experienced his deity. They saw him speak out to the elements, to the sea. And they saw the word of God speaking into action, just as it did at the very beginning of creation. The waves stopped. The wind stopped blowing. And they witnessed the wonder and the glory of God in action by being in that boat. So the first question that I want to put to you this evening or ask you is, have you experienced this? Have you seen for yourself the wonderful glory of God in your life? Not just read the Bible, not just know a few parables, not just sing some wonderful songs. Now, it's not very often I get to stand and sing because where I go, I'm twinkling along all the time, but it's, it's lovely to to stand and sing with God's people, but it's not, it's not about that. Have you, have you experienced what you're singing about? Have you seen the glory of God in your life? If you're in the boat, then you will have seen it. Next observation. Those boats on the lake also experience the storm. Those boats on the lake, the sea, also experience the calm. Now there are people who aren't Christians who will have problems and they'll get through them. The life comes back calm. They get more problems. The calm comes. So it's not that the calm doesn't stop for everybody because it does. But there's a huge difference. These people in the boats are not close enough to see the glory of God. They may have saw Christ on the ship, on the boat, but they wouldn't have heard him speak the words. So they would have just experienced the calmness of this sea. They would have just thought, oh, the storm stopped. It's gone away. It's just, as quickly as it came, it vanished. Second question. Is that you today? Is that you who's rolling along life experiencing the highs and the lows, experiencing the storms and just getting on with it, just getting through the best you can and then when the storm stops, you're thankful and then you move on but you know nothing of the glory of God. The next word I want us to look at is in verse 24. And suddenly... Suddenly, this storm came out of nowhere. The waters were calm. Jesus was asleep. He was tired. And then the storm came. 
the disciples and others in the boats and those that were on the, on the sea, they were, they were fishermen. They would have experienced storms in the past. But they didn't know this was coming. Storms were common on this particular river. But they never knew when they were going to come. And the storms that come in our lives, the, the ones that are most difficult to deal with, are those that come out of the blue. You know, we can, we can deal with things that we know about. We can, we can plan for things if we know that they're going to happen. If we know we're going to be short of money in March because we've spent that much in February, we can make adjustments and we can deal with it. But the hardest things to deal with, the toughest times in our lives is when something comes like that. It's as hard and we, we're scratching around trying to deal with it, panicking, trying to find an answer sometimes for ourselves. But I want to assure you and I want to encourage you tonight that with Christ, we're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be like those who are on the boats around the boat that Christ was in. We're supposed to be like the people who are in the boat. We can go to him. You know, how many times have you felt that you know, God's not listening? He's not hearing it. Is he asleep? And the Bible clearly tells us that God neither sleeps nor slumbers. So we must have the faith to go to him and know that he will deal with everything that we bring to him. John 14, 26 and 27 says this, For the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So let's hover there for a minute. This peace, this peace that God gives, it's not just a peace to deal with the things that are currently happening in our lives. It's not just a peace which is just going to give you when you're going through a hard time when you're stressed, when you're in financial difficulty. This peace is there for the suddenness. It's there, it's something that's with you constantly. And when the hard times come and hit our lives, then the peace of God should override. Not going to necessarily stop us from getting fretful about a situation. It's not going to necessarily take away all the doubts. But this peace will will, if it's in our lives, it will override it. There's no doubt about that. But if you're in the boats, outside of the boats that Christ is on, you can't experience that. Why? Christ's not with you. He's not in the boat. You haven't got his peace and all you're reliant upon is your own self-ability. <coughs> To get through these times, to, to push in hard, to, to dig your feet further into the stand and try and stand strong and tall. And what's going to happen? Just like the house is built on sand. When the wind comes because there is no foundation, the house falls. It may stand for a while, 
but the harder and harder the wind blows, that foundation is going to make that house give away. So there's only one place where we can be with full and absolute peace to face any circumstance, and that is in the boat with Christ. The next section in Matthew 8, 24, it says a great tempest arose. Not only did the storm arrive suddenly, but it was a great tempest. The word for this in the Greek is seismos, where we get our word seismography from. The things that measure the earthquakes. This was a storm of veracity. This was a storm that was bringing its waves over the boat to the point where they thought that they were going to sink. Commentators tell us that Galilee is more than 690 feet below sea level. In May to October, strong winds swept through narrow mountain valleys, met the calm sea, causing very sudden and violent storms. It turned the calm sea into a foaming mass of waves which dashed over the side of the boat to the point that it could have sunk. These were small boats. We're not talking about cruise ships here. We're not talking about huge liners. We're talking about small wooden boats, fishing boats, with ropes for nets. Can you feel the danger? Can you put yourself in those men's shoes when they're on this this lake that suddenly turns into a, a boiling pit of water that's splashing in and the wind's blowing it around. And the storms in our lives are much like this. Yeah. Very much like it. Huge issues come crashing into our lives. Like we feel that any moment we could sink. And that's not just if you're a Christian. That's, that's for anybody, for whatever boat that you're in in this life. Have you ever experienced it? Mm. Have you ever experienced it? Have you ever been at the point where you feel like you can't go on? Where the storm is that heavy that it's coming into your very lives and you feel like you're just sinking? Sinking. Sinking. What's been your response? How have you dealt with it? We'll move on. Matthew 8, 25. The disciples cry out, Lord, save us. We're perishing. Mark words it slightly different. He says, teacher, do you not care? We, we are perishing, including you. We're going we're gonna to drown. Luke says, master, master, <coughs> we're perishing. Fear gripped these men in the boat. We know, we know something of fear, don't we, over these last two years. 
Mm. You know, it's real. The media and everything else, they've taken what everybody's suffering, they've whipped it and whipped it and whipped it until people are <coughs> walking around in a mass of fear. Death is around the corner. What can, what can we do about it? And as Christians, you know, fear should not be a thing that grips us. Not just talking about the pandemic, I'm talking about in general. If we have Christ in our lives, then fear should not override our thoughts, our feelings, our ways of life. We're going to have struggles, don't get me wrong. But to live in fear is a simple place to be. Fear obstructs the reality. These disciples, they knew Christ, they'd seen him do some miracles. They were following him. Following means they, they believed him, they climbed into the boat. But it obstructed the reality. Do, do you not care? They said. So the fear of the moment took away everything that they had known about him. Because they let the feelings overrun everything they knew. Fear only ever sees the negative outcome. If you're sitting there worrying and fearing things, you're not focusing on the positive. You're only ever seeing the negative. And I know what I'm talking about. I am that man. I am that man in several areas. Fear grips and all you sit there looking about is, what's going to happen if? What's going to happen if? What's going to happen if? And it starts winding round and winding round until sometimes you just don't know what you're going to do. Fear controls and destroys trust and belief. If we let fear come in our lives as a Christian, then we start to see the trust in Christ dwindle and dwindle away. Hebrews 3, 8 to 15 says, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. A heart can be hardened towards God. And many of the times it is a, a lack of trust and a, and a fear of fear that brings that hardness in. Remember the children when they were in the wilderness, when they were walking through and they, they were thinking that they got nothing to do with them. They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt where we was eating all the luxuries? Why have you brought us to this place? That we are to perish. 
fear set in. Harden the hearts against God. While Moses was up the mountain, they were busy making the calf. Lost sight of everything. Has your heart been hardened through fear? Fear of life. Fear of circumstance. Fear of people. Fear of what people might say. Run from it. Run from fear. Turn to Christ. And you'll find all the peace. All the confidence that you'll ever need to face whatever life throws at you. James tells us in James 1 verse 6 that let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We see an example with Peter, don't we? He climbs out the boat. Christ says, come on, come on, come to me. Steps out. And for that moment he's walking on water. He's got his eyes totally fixed on Christ in front of him. But as soon as he starts to see the waves around him, he starts to sink. Because he's fearful of the circumstances around him, rather than the words that Christ has spoken to him. And that's what happens. Once we take our eyes off of Christ, the fear sets in. And we start to sink. However, these men went and woke Christ up. They knew. They knew that he had the answer to this situation. They knew that he could bring them out. Perhaps what would have been the point of him going and waking him up and saying, do you not realise that we're perishing? Hendrickson suggests, Hendrickson is a commentator, that these disciples presented a mixture of faith and fear. A mixture of faith and fear. We can all have doubts, as I've already said. But the key, when we're going through these times of difficulty, is to run to him. Run to him in that faith that you got, whether it's as small as a mustard seed or not. Run to Christ in this situation. And I assure you that our fears, they will be crushed. And our faith will be increased. Oh, that this could be said of those people in the boats that were around. That they could have faith. Oh, that sinners today would recognise that there is a solution to this life's endless merry-go-round. That their lives could be changed by this one man who stretched out his arms upon the tree, gave his all, died for them, that they may have eternal life. You see, men and women, they, they go through this life, they go through the same storms as we go through. But they'll say, we've, we've got by, we've pulled through it, we've rode the storm, so to speak, but all without Christ in their boat. But there's one storm that these people, these non-believers, these non-Christians will never ride out. And that is the storm of judgment. Mm 
when they face God. When they've come to the end of their life, when they've passed from this time to the next, when they stand before that throne and God asks them, what have you done with my son? They're not going to write that one out. They're not going to rely upon their own two hands. They're not going to rely upon the works. They're not going to rely upon the bank account. They're not going to rely upon being a good person. The judgment throne of God will be reliant upon one thing and one thing only. Are you clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Have you received that work that Christ has done on your behalf when he died for you? Are you clothed with that? Not do you believe in Jesus? Not have you read a few scriptures? Not do you quote the whole of the Bible? But do you trust upon the work, the finished work, that he did upon that cross? See, we're all sinners. All of us. Yeah. Whether we like to hear it or not. Some people will tear you down in strips because you mention the word sin. But as we say so often, somebody who, is, no, somebody who isn't ill doesn't need a doctor. Until we understand that we are all fallen people in a fallen world and need a saviour to realise that we're sinful, then we're not going to run to him. So where are you? Where are you in this? Hebrews 9, we quote it often, 27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this comes judgment. In the next chapter, verse 31 tells us it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Not if you're Christ's. Not if you're Christ's. Let's move on. Verse 26 tells us that Christ said, Why, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Verse 24 tells us how Jesus reacted to this situation. He was fast asleep. He was lying there without care in the world as this storm had whipped up around him and there was waves flying into the boat. Hendrickson tells us again that the tense used in this original picture shows us Jesus as slumbering people peacefully. He had been working hard. He was very, he was very tired. Besides, it was not difficult for him to fall into a deep sleep. But he trusts in the Heavenly Father. His own Father. His trust was unfaltering. Unfaltering. What a comparison to the trust of those that were in the boat. Their trust was wavering. And you may say that Christ was God. And he was. But he was also a man. You may say that nothing could break him. You may say he had unobstructed communion with, with God. A relationship that was never broken with God. And that will be right. However, Christ rebuked the disciples. 
He said to them, why are you fearful? Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith, it says in Matthew. How is it you have no faith, it says in Mark? Where is your faith? It says in Luke. Now, I want to be very clear that this is not talking about saving faith. And it's not that these men had no faith at all. But they had not yet come to the point of the centurion that we read about in Matthew 8, a few verses before this. You remember that the centurion's servant was laying ill, paralysed, dreadfully tormented, it tells us. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion says, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But just speak the word and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus was astounded. He said, assuredly, I have not found such faith, not even in Israel. That's the type of faith that, that moves mountains. And we see Jesus regularly using this, using this phrase throughout Matthew. And as we finish off, I just want to, to, to share these with you. It's a recurring theme. We see him talking about the lack of faith in God's provision in Matthew 6.30. Where it says this, Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In Matthew 14, 29-31, we see a lack of faith in the word of God. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, he walked on water. To go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous. He was afraid. And begin, began to sing. He cried saying Lord save me. And immediately. Immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand. And caught him and said unto him. O thou little faith. Why did you doubt? In Matthew 16. 6 to 8. We see a lack of understanding. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread, which when Jesus perceived it, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? And then finally, which I think is the overarching problem of everything that we've been talking about thus far this evening. A lack of belief and trust in God. Matthew 17, 19-20 Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed you shall say unto this mountain, Remove to yonder place, and it shall be removed, yeah. and nothing shall be impossible to you. Hendrickson again says this, uh, says this of this statement, men of little faith, that, that, that is men who were not sufficiently taken to heart the comfort 
they should have derived from the presence, power, promise and love of their master. Let me repeat that. That is, men who were not sufficiently taking to heart the comfort they should have derived from the presence, power, promise and love of their master. Again, is this you? Is it me? You know, we can, we can have been professing Christians for years and years and years and still not come to this point. We can still be lacking, we could still be insufficient to know the heart and the comfort that we should have through our belief. Even if it's a mustard seed, our faith in Christ. For it will remove mountains. The scripture is clear about that. And we're not talking about, you know, some of these people that, that, that take that to the, to the weird depths that they want to take it to. And say, you know, we can do this, we'll be able to tell this to happen. And that's not what it's talking about. This faith of the mustard seed will remove any mountain that you have in your life. That doesn't mean it's going to totally disappear. But it removes the obstacle of fear. It removes it from crushing you and taking you away from Christ because you know from the scripture all these things that we've just mentioned, the comfort, the presence, the power and the promise and the love of the master. Yeah. It's all guaranteed to us. And if we know that, then we can have that faith. Hendrickson carries on and comments, Jesus reminds them that there was no valid reason for their bewildered panic. Very recently, these men have been appointed, selected and chosen to be Christ's disciples with a view to apostleship. And all this implied, would the one who had chosen them allow them to perish in the angry deep? Was not his very presence reassuring? Do you have that reassurance tonight? Yeah. In Christ, that he has called you out of darkness into this glorious light. There is a guaranteed eternal life waiting for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. And no matter what happens in this life, no matter what storm you come up against, no matter if you're on your deathbed, that promise remains certain and sure. We have an anchor, it says. Yeah. Steadfast and sure. Where is it? It's grounded Fastened firm and deep in the Saviour's love. And it won't be shaken. The only thing that's going to be shaken is this world, Satan, and everything that's evil. And those that are in Christ shall stand. And this is important. It's important that we pause here for a moment. We can be fully confident in all things. When we have Christ in our boats. In everything. Are you struggling financially? Are you struggling with illness? Are you struggling with the death of a loved one? Are you struggling understanding the word of God? Are you struggling with your faith? All things we can be confident in if we have Christ in our lives. Just as I started, Christianity is not your best life now. Christianity is not a bed of roses. Christianity can have tough days. 
persecutions, trials, temptations. But when we have Christ in the boat, we have him that we can run to. We have him that we can grab on. We have him that we can shake and wake him up and say, Lord, I'm sinking. And he will awake. Yeah. And he will speak and say, storm, be still. That's not necessarily always going to take away the things that you're going through. But although that storm rages, although the wind continues to blow, although the waves continue to pour into the boat, the boat will remain strong. The boat will remain steady. And it will not sink. So the final point that I wanted to bring it to tonight. Verse 27. The winds and the sea obeyed him. Yeah. What a glorious ending we see to this circumstance. Yeah. Not just the fact that the calm is stormed, but much more than that. As we identified right at the very start, the disciples saw the glory of God. They saw a glimpse of what it will be like when we come face to face. And they knew him. And they continued to get this throughout the whole of Jesus' ministry. Jesus had power over all things. Substance. He turned water into wine. Fishes into loaves. Diseases. Many miraculous healings took place. Creation. Calming the storm. Death. The rising of Lazarus and many others. Sin. He was able to forgive. Roll up your mat, he said. Go your way. Have you had a glimpse of his glory tonight? Have you experienced the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you experienced the new birth? Have you experienced the new life? Because Christianity is not just believing in a Jesus that you heard about at Sunday school. Or that you've heard about in a school assembly. Or that you've read about in the Bible. Christianity is about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. It's about the work that Christ did upon the cross that enables you to be a clean person before God. Have you experienced tonight? If not, I urge you to run to the boat that Christ dwells in. And if you have experienced him tonight, if you know that you are a Christian, if you know that you've been born again, if you know you've been regenerated, if you know that you have new life in him, then you will know that he is in the boat with you. And that he will be in the mountain tops. Yeah. And he will be in the valleys. Amazing, yeah. You will be prepared for that suddenly when it comes. And your trust will not be found wanting. You will ride the storm with Christ at the helm of the boat. You will not doubt that he will save you. You will increase in faith as you ask and you seek and you knock. You will continue to praise him 
through the storms of, the, of, the, of life as the waves continue to beat. Because you know the change that is made in your life. You know the power that He has within your life. And you know what's awaiting in eternal life. There's a hymn. One of the verses says this, I think it's the first one. Through all the changing scenes of life, in troubles and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. That's where a Christian sits. May he do that work in all of us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the word that you have given us. This word, Lord God, is, is everything that we need for life. It teaches us, it corrects us, it rebukes us, it trains us. And more than that, Father, it reveals you. And so we just we thank you, Lord, for all that we've heard tonight. And I ask, Lord, for each and every one of us, no matter where we are in life, no matter whether we're sailing on the heights or whether we're sinking in the depths, that you would touch our hearts this evening with the truths that you have given within this passage. That if we call upon you, that we shall be saved, Father. And that no matter what we face in life, we know that you are King of the storm. Yeah, in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen.